Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Two Half Squads. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And there's our friend Mike Rizzi. Thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure, Mike. You're looking well. How are things going over there? Pretty good. I haven't seen you since last week when we we actually... I think it's the first time I have physically oh. seen you for a year. That's true. Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, more than a year, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Well, except for the time at the uh, UPS store. Oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was very three-dimensional scene. We had breakfast. We did. All of us, four of us gamers in the area, which was uh, very nice. So I'm glad it's glad the weather is good. Are yeah. we on for this week? I know we shouldn't schedule our lives on the air, but were <laughs> yes. we doing it Wednesday or Thursday? Wednesday or Thursday. I'll send out an email tonight okay. for Wednesday or Thursday. It was one of those days. Okay. Well, while we're here, can we start to schedule our next set of games times, too? Well, Only viewer Because that makes good listening. Viewer, <laughs> viewer input. Is that what you said, Mike? Yes. I did have an exciting event last week. I saw a movie. Mm. Watched a movie all the way through. Now, see if you can tell what movie this is from the description. Uh, the good guys, it's like this military organization. The good guys find out that the bad guys are building this big secret weapon. King Kong versus Godzilla. And the good guys figure out that, you know, and this thing is really hard to get to because it's it's a very tough target. So they want to fly in there to blow it up. But they've got to fly down this like narrow, very narrow like valley or something. They Star Wars through there, and there's guys shooting at them from the sides, World and they have to go in and hit this very small target at the end and pull up at the last minute. Does this sound at all familiar? Yeah. Did they re-release it or do a special showing of Star Wars? No. This was uh, actually a 1964 movie called Six Thirty Third Squadron. Oh, you sneaky guy. Cliff Robertson. And uh, it's a British movie, but they put Cliff Robertson in there because you need to have an American in movies or Americans won't go to the movie. Uh, but I, I watched this movie and I thought, and I've seen it a couple of times before, but it really yeah. struck me. George Lucas must have lifted <laughs> ideas or got ideas from watching this movie. Oh, yeah. So similar. He credits some, you know, that Dan, Dan Buster's and. Does he credit it? I think so. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's a little weird because they're flying the British Mosquito, the De Havilland Mosquito, which is a two-seater. So you've got the pilot and then you've got the navigator. So on all these flying scenes, there's two guys sitting there, and they kind of rock, you know, back and forth, side to side yes. together. The pilot's actually piloting, but the navigator's just kind of sitting there with nothing to do. Except when they finally get to the target, the navigator make you know gets out the the release button for the bomb bay and makes a very big gesture of pressing the button you know, <laughs> yeah. as they're going by the target. Yes, like that was very challenging. But and so those sequences are a little bit odd. But the rest of the movie is really good. If you haven't seen it, I'll I'll recommend Six Thirty Third Squadron. And and you were at the good music too. Say you were at the theater. No, I I had a movie day here. At home, okay. Yes. No, I don't go to theaters yet. I'm because I'm supposed to do that for the first time for Kong and Godzilla with Marianne Belter. We're trying to line that up this week, and it may I may have to preempt one of our Vassal games, gentlemen. I might mm-hmm. if you're okay with that. And if you're not, you can't tell me on the air. It's why well, I'm telling you on the air, so you have to ask act nice and humble and grateful just to have me game sometimes with you yeah well if that's a worthy uh excuse i think well she's she's been honest to do it forever and yeah. just you and her a date and megan so my daughter as a chaperone yeah <laughs> get the big tub of popcorn dave gotta do it it would be a long time since i've done that too but it'd be a good big screen movie to see yeah. i would think so i've seen it on hbo uh, we watched a monster movie the other night, Robin and I. Uh, she said, we both worked outside all day. We were tired. 
let's go in, get a, get open a, a beer and watch a monster movie. So we picked The Meg. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh. <laughs> no, no, my daughter, Megan, has told me about it. Something with uh, Jason Statham. Wow. Some... On a star cast, a very big shark. Yes. And it, yeah. the movie didn't take itself very seriously, which no. was good, which made it very fun to watch right. it. You know, it was it was stupid from beginning to end, but very fun to watch. And I, I'd recommend that one, too. I'll give that a thumbs up if you, if you get a chance to see it. If you like big monsters. Adam does, Adam had watched finally like Kong Island or something with me and then he on his own watched a few more and he when they said dad I really like these giant monster movies I was like good you know it's about time yeah it's good well we have a full show today should we start including letters letters ooh letters get to letters well i have one here from dan dolan he sent a picture of the wake island map that he was working on just randomly to us quite a while back and he said he's i said i i'm not familiar with this can we talk about this on the air and i already put the picture into the post so i won't forget it um but he said he stopped working on it when ray wanted to make it to be an ats product so uh, I guess he was trying to do an ASL. Now the ATS is the critical hit. Other version system. Yeah, advanced Tobruk. Oh, that's it. System. Yeah, and he got someone to futz around with the scenarios and put it out. So I guess there is a critical hit product that you could get that is Wake Island. And here's a picture of his uh, practice map on the web page if you want to see it. Okay. Dan oh. being creative all the time. I've got a letter here, uh, Dennis. From Dennis Donovan, I assume. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have his last name here, but Dennis says the Four Deuces by C.S. Crawford and Fire and Ice by Michael Varhola are very good Korean War reads. So for anybody All right. to learn more about the Korean War, and I can honestly say, if you watch Mash, if you go back and watch Mash, that's probably not a great way to learn the Korean <laughs> I tried that the other night. I promise I I do other stuff besides watch TV. But we watched something the other night. Uh, I, I, we we're done watching Frasier, and I thought, I'm going to watch MASH. And I watched the first episode from season one. I got about 15 minutes in, into it, and I thought, I cannot watch this. And why was that? It is no longer politically correct and i am not a an overly reactive woke person by no you're, you're not but i can i i could not take it the way they treat women and people of color and stuff in it was not to my liking so i just turned it off i didn't write anybody i didn't try to cancel alan Alder. <laughs> i just turned it off and went to something else Really? Well, we ha we have been doing the Lucille, I Love Lucy show, which, as I mentioned before, had her getting spanked in one of the earlier episodes. Oh, yeah, now, now that I like. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been doing Seinfeld, which, it, it, I, it, there's a couple episodes, something about mental health, too, which there was one thing about mental health that didn't, it was a joke I would have made in college, too, you know? Yeah. Back in the day, just at this stage in my life or whatever, it, it didn't sit well with me. Interesting. Like, oh, I wish they didn't have that joke in there. That's not yeah. really fun. Something to joke about, but you know, but it is funny and it aged pretty well. And there, I didn't realize George was so kind of nice guy in his heart because he was so rough exterior. Costanza. Mm -hmm. I never watched all the old shows. You know. Yeah, I never. Always yelling and doing this and. And I didn't realize he's really a softy and he's really quite shy around women. And But anyway, yes. And can you learn much about the Korean War? No. And of course, you wouldn't from MASH either, right? Because it's the most, it's all about the medical end of things. Oh. Anyway. 
we like the battles. We want to play Soul. We want to play Forgotten War. We have one here from Rick who says, Do not despair at the low number of entries for your giveaways. It does not reflect on your popularity. I believe many folks like myself don't enter if they already have the product being offered. But I do still hear Dave screams down the street every night. Despairing. Well, speaking of, let's despair again. <laughs> okay, uh, turn it a little bit. We're catching a lot of glare there, Dave. Oh, oh Winter Offensive Pack. Yes, which one? Number seven. Number seven. Not 37. We're giving this away? Yep. And what do they put in the... I assume, Jeff, we're just, I'll, I'll put one on a, a different one. I'll put eight. Do we have an eight? Or maybe it's an action pack, whatever I got next in the stack from our... Good friend Bill Cobble, kind Thank donations. Um, can they just put something in the um, subject line, Jeff, or do they have to um, do a? I know I'm springing this on you. Um, I think because most people got this, we ought to just say email. I like offensive things. How about that? <laughs> okay, put that I in the offensive things in the subject line. Don't cancel me. All right, yes, you could you could do that. Okay. Put that in there, and we'll draw next. Uh, oh, by uh, this show's gonna post on the fifteenth around. So the show, uh, let us know by the first of the following month. No, the end of this month. I have one. Hello, Jeff and Dave. I recently found your podcast, and I'm enjoying it very much. Somewhat a noob and have only played 30 scenarios in the last 18 months. Thanks for your efforts. Keep up the good work. Nathan Gregg from Peoria, Illinois. And he won our last product, by the way, but we never read his letter. I don't think we did. Or maybe we did. But anyway. It sounds familiar. But... Welcome to the fold. And that's a good number of games in such a short amount of time. Yeah, that really is good. Uh, I've got one here from Tim Stevens. He says, hi, guys, longtime listener here, and I would like to thank you both for all you've done for the hobby. Jeff, what happened to your playthrough on uh, Crucible of Steel? I've been hoping to hear a discussion about flying turrets. I played it once, but failed my PMC around turn five and lost as the Germans. I wish you both the best and hope you keep up the podcast for as long as you're having fun with it. Oh, yeah, and Sugar Tanks. Remember that one, yeah. I remember that very well. Thanks for your uh, letter, Tim. Yes, uh, I just talked with Rich Spilkey because I was doing Crucible of Steel with him. We are going to try to pick that back up in the very, 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 very near future. So that kind of ended with the with the lockdown. Yeah, right. We're still working on our, you know, I, as I've mentioned before on the show, too, I think, you know, we're doing our playthrough of all the crucible of steel scenarios with my friend john and we're getting close to the end we've only got like six more to go out of the maybe 30 some yeah yeah that's something yeah so we're almost there but we've been doing the campaign you know my rudimentary campaign system that i explained that one time yeah yes and uh it's been interesting I, i'll have to do an analysis because it definitely has some patterns to the various design elements and win-loss uh -huh. ratios and yeah. So once I get once we're done, we'll have a long talk. That's a good product. Where can we buy that product, Dave? Crucible of Steel. Well, I would go to Ritterkrieg.com where you can get all good ASL products from Ritterkrieg. Free shipping. Or else just go to Ritterkrieg. It's all there. Mention Dave Kleinschmidt and you will get a large box of popcorn. Mike, you have a letter there? That's Pat. He'll, he will pack your product and pop it. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, Mike. Let's see. We have one here from John Bulow of Troy, New York, who says, It's my pleasure to be able to contribute for the enjoyment I receive from your podcast. As a relative newbie who has only discovered Squad Leader and its advanced flavors about a year ago, I thought I might quickly become confused or bored by such topics as terrain time, rules, discussions, and playthroughs. But you've kept things interesting and even when i didn't fully understand and let's face it that's most of the time i feel like some of the collective squad leader wisdom you share is slowly beginning to penetrate i've started a software project that i may not be qualified to complete to generate squad leader scenarios on a pseudo random basis i'll probably never be able to design a good scenario on my own 
but possibly if I can generate a few hundred, one of them may even be playable. <laughs> I've made it past episode 200 in my quest to plow through all of your episodes and was a little shocked to hear about Dave's health scare and hope that is all in the past. Best wishes for many more episodes of your fine podcast in the months and years to come. Excellent. Yeah, the um, the hard thing, they did that screen. The last checkup said it was all good, so I shouldn't have to go back again and even have it looked at. Thanks okay. for thanks for sharing your concern. And how about that software project? So that's for real? Yeah. It's making like a, you can just hit go and it'll come just up with. Crank and uh, yeah, right. turn it a hundred times and a scenario pops out. Well, keep us updated on that, John. Oh. You could probably make something with the standard ASL rules for generating random scenarios. Oh, yeah. That would be easily doable, I think. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, we had a few comments posted on, I think it was YouTube. Hexes and Soldiers said, I appreciate the regularity of these shows. You guys are the oatmeal of the hobby. Now, that's either a compliment <laughs> or not. <laughs> I'm going to take it as a compliment. And Lars Peter Samuelson said, first time I saw Klaus Malmstrom commenting on that show was at ASO in Copenhagen in 2005. I was sitting with my back turned to this to his game. I was playing a non-Nordic-speaking opponent. Then I heard behind me Klaus exclaiming in Swedish, Break, you bastard. I just doubled over laughing, and my opponent didn't understand why. <laughs> yeah, if you're not speaking Swedish, you don't get when they yell things in foreign languages. Brian Martuzis visited Claus in 2000 when I didn't go to ASO. And Brian visited me right after in Trondheim. He did show me one of the AOO scenarios with Bulgarian air support ASL 120 return to sender. My only input that has ever been made into my any official ASL product was changing the air support from 44 fire bombers to 42 fire bombers. Look at that. Everyone's a contributor. <laughs> Lars, too. Got one here that says, uh, let's see, who is this from? Oh, from Matt Peterson. Uh, the 2021 Summer Sizzler is an all-you-can-play ASL feast at History KC Fest, Kansas City, July 30th through August 1st. Play as much or as little as ASL, uh, ASL as you like over the weekend. The, the winner of every ASL game will get to pull from a prize pool of all kinds of ASL and barbecue goodies. Look at Dave's thinking. Are you thinking of barbecue or are you thinking of the ASL goodies? Mm -hmm. The barbecue goodies, yeah. Mm -hmm. In addition, there will be prizes for the individuals with the most games played and the most ASL wins over the weekend. Expect plenty of flamethrowers in the scenarios, though, not as prizes. Uh, the Kansas City ASL group will be on hand, and you can pick up ASL games throughout the weekend so you can check out the other offerings while still getting your ASL and barbecue fill. Details and registration can be found on Facebook or at the event website, which we'll put a link in the show notes, I think. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's, store, it's historykcfest.com, and that's history with an I, not a Y. It's kind of like historic fest. Kind of like historic the KC. KC. Yes. Yeah, uh, if you have any questions, let me know. Keep up great work. Love, Matt Peterson. All right, Matt. Uh, I don't think we'll get there though. Are you going to go there, Mike? That's some more of a miniatures and a different kind of gaming. But they are adding an ASL. Oh, they actually have quite a few board game going on there. Have you been there? No, it was supposed to start last year, the first time, but and we were going to go. Rich was going to go, a couple others. Uh, then, of course, it was canceled. And then there was some talk about this year, but it, it just isn't coming together. So, yeah. oh, okay. Maybe next year. Yeah. All right, I've got a letter from Carlin0130, who left you a comment on last episode. Actually, Vassal does compute height now also. You have to use the arrow keys with a shift and control. And Java Slinger says, as Carl mentioned, Vassal absolutely does have elevation LOS tools included. If it tells you everything, you just need to define the source and target elevations. 
using the arrow keys along with shift or control and everything is documented in the Basel manual. Yes, there's even a short manual. Also, LOS is included on some HAL, specifically Red October and Red Barricades, also maybe Singling. It's in progress on Donat, and the others will have it someday as well. I am looking I have no idea. I am looking forward to trying that. That's yeah. a great tool. Well, my next letter was, it even said it couldn't connect to the... Um, to the whole Google Drive. Anyway, curious whether you've ever addressed the Steel Panther series of computer games. They've been updated and brought forward over the years, probably because nothing has attempted to fill the niche, and have distinct roots in the ASL Panzer Leader, Panzer Blitz world. I'm a longtime war gamer who broke in playing Guadalcanal and Gettysburg, largely dormant due to kids, work, and scouts, but enjoy listening and get some vicarious game time. Signed, Michael. Now, Jeff, did you send us a link to this game just yeah, this last week? Yeah, because we, the topic of uh, gaming, uh, uh, video gaming, came up while we were at breakfast, and I was trying to remember the name of this oh. game. Yeah, ago. and but they're apparently they're still making it, and you can buy a, uh, you can buy from Matrix Game, I guess, the updated version with. Uh, uh, it's got all kinds of extras in it for a hundred dollars, or or you can get the free version of Steel Panthers, yeah, from, and it's free, and you don't have to pay for it because it's free. Yeah, I played a ton of that back in the '90s or whenever that came out. Oh, uh, you okay? Steel Panthers and the Talonsoft games, Battlegrounds, um, all those. But then one Vassal, you know, when once Vassal came around and it worked, and it largely went back to just playing board games on the yeah. computer. Yeah. But I know that, you know, Matrix Games has a ton of those, you know, continuing those Gary Grigsby games and the other designers from that era. Yeah, if, uh, if you're a sociopath or a, a something, you just don't like people. What's the other word I'm looking for? Um, Mass murderer? Yeah. <laughs> that too. I'll come up with it in a minute. You can play against the computer, so you don't have to play with against a real. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, yeah. Which is nice. And back then, it really was the only option because multiplayer stuff didn't tend to work very well. <laughs> the early uh, days, it was all AI driven, and you could always do things like just walk along the edge of the board, and they'd ignore you, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> it wasn't very smart. I've got one here. It says. This is from, I'm not sure who this is. Oh, from Preston. Preston Yonkins. Jeff, enjoyed another great interview this time with Paul Work. Looking forward to more product from the folks in Kansas City. Having re-listened from about episode 125 forward, I went back to the very beginning to listen for the third time. The evolution of the show is great to follow. In about episode 10 or 11, you mentioned things that you said were you were going to do but hadn't yet. So in addition to wondering where the two-half-squad scenario pack is, I want to know if Jeff ever posted his rule index cards. And the, uh, next week. <laughs> uh, one of your early topics was the random events sniper uh, fee, the sniper counter. One of my questions when I came back into ASL was what happened to the scout Oh, was there a scout in Squad Leader? I never played Squad Leader. So I thought Mike would know. Mike did yeah. so much. Oh, interesting. <laughs> uh, I have heard that they were subject to abuse in their use. Well, we can't have that. <laughs> we'll have to play a game of Squad Leader sometime. <laughs> That'd be fun. I've never played Squad Leader. We have a question from Z Crater who asks, uh, Dave, you mentioned the article about truck use in ASL. What is that article? And the answer is Truck Transport and ASL by MMP's own Pericote, journal number three. There you go. I think it was an earlier one. Oh, keep on trucking. Keep on trucking. Yeah, keep on trucking by Perry. <laughs> I think there was an earlier one, but I, I, don't, I don't remember where that is. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, that wraps up letters. Other than this picture Jeff's going to discuss here, I guess I should post that or link it. Well, we'd like to thank our Patreon supporters, Wade Samellis, Dana Linfield, Jim Vassil, Steve Banks, Jeremy B., Klaus Hermans, Richard Ng, Jack Brown, and Sam Tyson. 
Thank you all so much for supporting the show, every show on Patreon. Thank you. You too can become Thank a Patreon supporter. Uh, so this picture here, I suppose we're going to post this on the site. Yes, can you describe, I assume you will, as you're trying to... Well, I guess uh, I could share my screen, couldn't I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is the picture, and I'm supposed to discuss this? Yeah, what do you think that is? It kind of looks like uh, our neighborhood where I live. <laughs> it looks like a day in the park. Um family and children some family <laughs> some people running away from other yes. people some and people then, shooting but I, I see the graveyard and i see uh, uh, there's a clue emerging from the graveyard ah, could be a zombie invasion. i would say zombies yeah it it looks like zombie counters <laughs> yes it does where did these come from this is quite <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> Well, even though I, I believe Broken Ground Design is not officially a sponsor right at the moment, um, but I found that on the Broken Ground Design site. So wow. I'm hoping I, I have to email them and say, man, send us a set of those and that'll get you some more sponsorship. Um, <laughs> Jeff, remember we played like half of these scenarios. Yeah, zombie scenarios were very fun. That was a long time ago. It, it, it was now, wasn't it? I think it's time to, to bring those out again. It's been long enough, so it would be fun to do again. Well, if these counters come out and we nab a set, yeah. um, I would love to finish them off, yeah, in in person. Look at that. So, yeah, there's regular citizens, right? Yeah. And then... <laughs> yeah, with, uh, with no firepower. They've got, uh, you know, the morale's not too bad. Yes. <laughs> Six. Yeah. yeah. Zero. That's tough. Oh, zombies have 10 morale. Wow. Yeah. It's hard to upset a zombie. Yes. <laughs> you got to be really mean to them. Are they fast yeah. or slow, though? One hex every turn? One they one. are slow. Movement's not on the counter, though, right? right. Nope. If I remember correctly, Jeff, they were slow in the games designed by, shoot, East End. Darn. Yeah. East End Gamers? Yeah, Zombie Pack. Yeah. Very fun. And there may, may have been a second Zombie Pack, too. Maybe by now there's been a third. Hey, send it, send it to us and we'll promote it on the show. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's how this happens, folks. We don't just, you know, rant, pick out our favorite things most we want to talk all things ASL, so but I don't even keep up on everything that's out there. So I found that. I'll yes. That. Very cool. Well, speaking of zombies, if for a moment of a little self-promotion, I did serve as you know technical, historical, and military advisor on the uh, the new Romero book with oh. written by my friend Daniel Krauss. Uh, oh. You know he had inherited the rights to continue writing the unfinished works of um, George Romero. And so I helped him out with the uh, various military aspects of that book. Wow. Which is out now. Just came out last last summer. Yeah, did last you, did you Did you get your name in it? Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh. Is That's like when read? I... What's that, Jeff? Is it a good read? It's Yes, yeah, very good. Very oh. good. If you're into zombies. It's oh, yeah. certainly a zombie novel. <laughs> yeah. Would you say, did you read, um, uh, what's his name, Brooks? Albert Brooks? No. Oh, World War Z. World War Z, yeah. Did yeah. you read that? Yes. It, I thought that was okay. I didn't yeah. think it was as great as uh, as a lot of people made it seem. Um, but would you rate this, your, the book you're talking about, better? Um, yeah, it's certainly... It doesn't have that historical disjointed. Yeah. You know, he tries to make it that the original, that the, the World War Z is that sort of historical aspect to it where you're reading about the events, you know, whereas this is more action oriented and. Do they uh, kill lots of zombies? Are a lot of zombies uh, done away with? Yes, of course. All right. That's what I want. 
That's what I'm looking for. But it also gives you a little bit of the zombies point of view. So that's one of the unique parts about it is that it it, uh, adds an extra layer to the mythos. And what George Romero was thinking with his, he he also likes to make political statements, right? So there's a little bit of that in there, too. Yeah. And a spokesman, I understand a spokesman for zombies is is trying to get zombies now into the military. (laughs) As well as their own bathrooms in uh, certain uh, sporting parks and events. And I think he's trying to get them to stop using them as crash test dummies in those <laughs> car tests. <laughs> it's not fair. Just because we're dead, you put us in those cars. <laughs> if you like that idea, I also recommend Daniel Krauss's <laughs> other book, the uh, Zebulon Finch novels. Uh, who is also sort of a quasi-zombie figure, and much of that kind of humor is in that book. He's used for testing on and, <laughs> and all this. <laughs> Very good books. Okay. That's good to know. Well, I read, and I read Tales from the Zombie, the comic books from uh, the guys that made the giant Planet of the Apes comic books and uh, Conan, mm. the Savage Sword, you know, right? Uh, there was a series, Tales of the Zombie, and they, yeah, the main character was empathetic. He was a, you met him as a human, and then he died or was kind of like a swamp thingy thing, but it was cool. Well, on to the meat of the show, Brevity, Assault, or Biazza Ridge. Okay. <laughs> we're doing this one. No, oh, we're not. Yes, no. we are. <laughs> Wait, didn't we no, already right. do this? Yep, one? you got it right. Yes. What was the name of that show? The last show. Mike, yeah, that you were not with us. For those did of you, did you have a complaint about the name? Yes, there were complaints. Because I don't have a complaint. Well, what should the but name? What should the show have been called last time? Brevity Assault. Brevity Bravo. Ah, that's okay. Is that where we were going to go with? Yes. Uh, and I ended up with Biazza Bravo. Yes, yes. So, our mistake, folks. An honest mistake. Well, we kind of covered both, right? But we didn't really look at yeah this game. Because Mike pointed out that Brevity Assault had the very cool gaming system with the linked scenarios and so on. So, in this game, Mike, did you get a chance to look at it again? Or I did, yep. I looked it over. What, do you have any impressions you'd like to share out? Or um, This is, yes, this is just a more traditional historical, uh, but it looks very manageable, the size of the scenarios individually and the campaign dates. It's only four campaign dates, I believe. Uh, all look very easily accomplishable, in a, you know, without spending a lifetime. But it looks very fun. So say uh, for people that might be uh, skittish about getting into a campaign, this might be a good one. This would be a good starter. Yeah. You know, it's not desert, so it's not unusual. I hear a lot about campaign games and I've played a few. And my biggest complaint with campaign games is spending days and weeks and months planning the opening moves and all that. And then the game kind of falls apart on turn three. Right. And you have to scrap it all. So. It was turn one on Taro, wasn't it? Yes, we played Taro with somebody, and on turn halfway through turn one, they they conceded, and we said, "Do you, do you want to just restart?" And they go, "No, no, we're done." But yeah, Taro is not the best best place to start. Yeah, <laughs> campaign game. Yeah, it's complicated. Well, Biazza Ridge, this is still available, Mike. Did you were you able to check? I, I did not check on that. I do not know. Um. Has ten scenarios, which I will cover. I filmed it. It'd be about uh, fifteen minutes of going into the details of these scenarios and how they go in order. And sixteen full color die cut counters here, um, as well as the kind of rules that that are similar to the other pack. So you get a little set of some German vehicles with this one. Gaza Ridge. Uh, it is the uh, assault engineer pair 
troopers, 747s, you know, and a 548 assault engineers. Now, they are printed German and American. And what are these vehicles? Oh, yeah, Horsch. I don't know what a Horsch was. Does anyone know? The four-legged Horsch? Yeah, it's H-O-R-S-A-C-H. I saw it in one of the scenarios. Like I said, I don't know what this is. Armored car. Ah, it's for towing. I don't remember seeing it in the other games. Some Laughleys and some other carriers there for the Germans or armored um, personnel carriers. You get in your Biazza Ridge two really cool pieces of tag board. <laughs> Excellent. Again, the rules. And one thing they did on all these scenarios, I noticed, was the concealment counters on all of them were randomly determined. Your dummy counters. Fog Award, you like that? Yes. Yeah. Says die plus five or a die roll plus six, something like that. So you get a range of dummy counters. So you, you know how people like to count? Rich Spilkey likes to count your counters. Oh, yes. And he knows exactly. Yes. And you're going along, he goes, well, let's see. You have three dummies left, so it's that stack, not that stack. Now he won't know because they're right. randomly generated. That's so much of the thought of that a long time ago. Oh, time ago, yeah. <clears throat> I yes. find that a little, a little annoying. It's yes. Just... So there's the... I did not take a deep look at the... Um, campaign game but the forces are all laid out on the card for you okay and just so everybody knows this is the 82nd airborne yeah the historical push yeah in and then being counterattacked by the airman gearing division so a lot of tanks versus american on the ridge yeah and they were trying to get to the landing zones at Sicily, right? This was all... Yeah, uh, yeah the Germans, yeah. They, this is the airborne pushing toward uh, Gala on Sicily. Yeah, and then the uh, Hermann Goering division is trying to get back, pushed, breaking through these guys in some of the scenarios, that two that represent that action, to break out to the beaches. And a lot of them have all this naval OBA, right. Nova and OBA on a lot of the scenarios. 128 millimeter from U.S. destroyers, and it tells you the dates like these would be could be used in your in your game. The uh, German Piazza Ridge campaign game OB. Did you, I don't know, Mike? Did you? They, did you also buy stuff in this one or? Um. Oh, in the, just the regular scenarios. I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. Maybe. No, no, in, in the campaign game. Oh, in the campaign. I th yeah, I think there's the normal. Reinforcements and the, in the rules here. Um, they have stream reed beds also here. Reed beds? Reed beds, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a couple new terrains in there. And streams. But not an overwhelming number. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, one of the things that I did look at in depth is this, the way to play. They have a lot of slopes, but they also have a provision that you can play them as um, hillocks. Right. Not sure that's going to help me any. <laughs> <laughs> hillocks are easy. They're just a tableau. They're just a raised up like a table. Tableau. Okay. The tableau. Tableau. They're tableau. Half, but they're half level, right? Yeah. So yeah. you just, they really is easier to envision. Um, but they have this uh, German vehicle notes, SPW 251-17. Just got a 20L flat gun on it. The horse, there it is here. Heavy off-road passenger car. Built by Horsch and Zikawa and Ford, Germany, in Cologne. Wow. Some details and a uh, nice set of footnotes. And again, they use the rules. Like, did we cover these with the other game? The machine gun malfunction table? I think we might have. But yeah, that and the um, the other interesting one is the um, the uh, OBA unit, right? There's a the artillery 
men who can call it in. It's a unit itself. It's not carrying a radio. It's an observer. observer. Yeah, kind of like a shore fire party right. kind of thing, and they have a separate counter for them. Yeah, they are all on the sheets you'll see when, when I um, present these regular 10 scenarios. You still have to roll um, radio contact, I assume, with those? I think. I think so, yeah. I don't remember from when I read that, but uh, this map's just showing the positions of the forces. So again, trying to get to Gila or trying to get the the landings at Sicily and all. So there's a nice yeah, historical. Yeah, that's a nice feature. I like that. Yeah, from each day, the 10th, yeah. in the morning and afternoon, and the July 11th and 12th. So you can kind of visualize. Oh, this is this is where that battle is happening. Uh, the terrain again. There's this explanation on the hillocks kind of thing here and then into the rules for the campaign game about the assault engineers something special for armored assaults there's a lot of little little tweakings of things yeah here's the artillery observation team is that showing up okay oh yeah oh i can't see <laughs> i can't see myself in yeah. on this skype call and now they've put in these crest lines so let's probably take a look at the maps um, cactus hedges are now depicted separately on the board, uh, and there's sparse grove rules, vineyards, a lot of vineyards. You know, it's Sicily, right? Yeah, it's Sicily. Yeah, it's Sicily. Hey, it's Sicily. Those cactus hedges look familiar, Dave. Were we just playing a scenario that had cactus hedges? We did. Was that on? That was had to be Vassal. So it was on Vassal, yeah, transformed uh, it for us. Yeah. I think yeah um but you do get a big set of maps so you're also going to get the um map of well whatever i have here piazza this is the piano lupo part of the battle they're actually really good looking maps they're really good looking yeah look uh, realistic i mean it just strikes me yeah it's very striking the to color me. schemes are very nice yeah yeah yeah, very just, yeah, very complimentary as opposed unity. to like orange on green on blue. Yeah, maybe that's what they've done. They got variation in the color of the landscape just to make it look more like a miniature war game mat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, without throwing off your understanding of the levels at all, it doesn't affect right. that at all. You know, it's hard so to this, see from from this camera, but it it is easy to see the different levels. Yes, I'd say so. Yeah. And what they've done with the levels, maybe I'll go back to the Biazza map then and try to get you to see it. They have outlined in red and black the crest lines. Can you make out any of that? Uh, yes, I think so. Yes. Red, red lines. Right. Along the crests. And what that does is it really clarifies, and I spent a lot of time looking at this and getting this down, and that was like three weeks ago. <laughs> and I didn't take any good notes as usual. But when you play with this section of the rules, this, you know, the normal, this guy has line of sight to this. This guy has line. And I did this. And I try to pre-guess it, right? That's the way to do this. Pick a squad, and you tell yourself, okay, what can he see? And then when you go down here, let's see. Squad D has line of sight two. Okay, I was correct. And if I was wrong, why? And it tells you right here, um, like, read bed in hex 016, you miss that. So, oh, you look again. Oh, it does. The line of sight hits the reed bed. So I need to un un make sure I understand that. So <laughs> you spend a, a little bit, not a lot of time, a little bit of time, though, really looking at the way they laid out these line of sights. And the crest... They would only bother doing that because they're covering the new terrain that, that comes with this. And the slopes in here, people are afraid of slopes. Yeah. You know, Mike and I have played a lot with the Bounding Fire products we've been playing lately yeah. but the red crest line is the half level half level and the black is the full level right 
So then you can look and go, okay, so if I stand next to that red crest line, that's the half level like a hillock. And then the the black one is the full or one and a half. They even have, oh, they have one and a half outlined in blue. Sorry, blue. Mm-hmm. One and a half level. So if you think like, oh my gosh, there's, okay, I'm up a level and now there's a hillock. So that's a one and a half. They just outlined it in blue for you. So sweet, beautiful move. Yeah. Color coding that. And then this section, Jeff, is like the in-season orchards. Here they just wanted to clarify that what your orchards are doing to your line of sight when they include these half-level hillocky things. Uh, yes. Okay. Going up the hill. So if you're frightened by the look of that, the slopes, Plato's hillocks, don't be just tackle those two line of sight sections. And I think you're going to find it to be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another map is, I'm missing one, but the, who speaks, who speaks Italian? Uh, Ponte, yeah, whatever. Carillo. <laughs> That's another point that of the going up the hill. Okay, and they have a lot of the pillboxes are already put in for you, you know, historically where they were. And just the, the big one, I guess I should back up. It's magnificent. Is that a train uh, railroad going through there? I thought maybe there was one. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I don't remember that being a big deal at all. Railroads, they are uh, all ground level. Easy cheesy. Okay. Yeah. But it's nice because you get to sing the Funiculi Funicula song. Then. <laughs> funiculi. Wait, how's that go again? Funiculi Funicula. Some reason that makes of brains. Maybe there's a reason. <laughs> and that is what you get in Biazza Ridge. Is this product still available, gentlemen? Well, it's on their website. It is still on their website. The Advancing Fire, if you go to advancingfire.com, Biazza Ridge is right there, and it is 100 euros, 121 US and 82 cents, $121.82, which seems like a very good price for all that you get in there. That is a lot of ASL fun. It is, and shipping is always expensive. I think that includes shipping. Yeah, so that's not bad. I mean, all the way from Italy. And were there counters in there? Just that little set. Just that little. Yeah, there's a little. Yeah. And so, what other counters do you need to go along with that? Because it's not a complete game. <clears throat> Ownership of fifteen other modules. Should just need the Americans and the Italians. Yeah. Beyond Valor Yanks, Hollow Legions. Yep. Not a lot. Hello, everybody. We are taking a look at the scenarios from Piazza Ridge and ER1. Ponte Zerillo taking is a scenario where the Italians are defending. They get 12 AP mines, eh, several machine guns, three big ones, a little one, a mortar, and artillery piece. It's a French piece, actually. Uh, that they've had from way before. This is 1943 at 2.30 a.m. So this is a night scenario taking place on the Ponte Drillo map. And it is, uh, there are some trenches in place here by special scenario rule one. Tells you where those go on the board. The pillboxes are actually printed on the board. And then victory would be had when the Americans who enter by both airdrop here, just a few squads, not a whole lot. So you want to get your feet wet on an airdrop. Of course, it's got night rules. So, <laughs> but if you have played night and haven't done the airdrops, maybe try that. And some more three squads, three and a half entering along the edge of the board, coming in. What they got to do is to take the uh, box and trenches that came in. And the Italians have to not have the gun going. So either lose the crew, have it mouthed, have it eliminated. By the Americans, nice little scenario. Not a lot of squads, 
get you comfortable with the new map and all the new kind of new rules you might have there. Seven turns. Next one up is Gorham Assault, or do you say Gorham? And this one is on the Abio Priolo map and has the Italians and Hermann Goering division, Panzer division uh, elements, just a few, what is it? Just a squad of Germans, I guess. And a seven L is die roll plus one is the number of concealment counters you would gain. Some wire, two wire, two trench. And the Americans need to win a control T19 U20 building at game end. Again, just you're looking at five squads versus four Italians with an extra German element there. Five turns. This one's taking place the same day as VR1, but that's at 5.30 a.m. And I believe it had a normal light. No night. The Americans have ammo shortage. Uh, there's a plus one dawn LV hindrance, plus one. That's taking place at 5.30 in the morning. So those might have got you warmed up for the larger one, BR3, which is the hunting the wolf. And this one is a good eight turns, which I think you're going to need. And it has the American set up less than five hexes from F-18. Four and a three, four squads, three half squads, a couple cruise leaders, some um, array of support weapons. They're digging in, uh, overlooking the road. And then these Americans set up six axes or less from I-2. And then these from W-18 and variable concealment counters. I like that rule, variable concealment counters. That's great, isn't it? Why didn't we all think of that before for Fog of War? Um, Jeep comes on. I don't know what that's going to do. Because all these Germans are coming on the board, attacking to take over that area. To win, they have to take these hexes. Let's look at the board. Um, oh, I think it's here. Yeah, these three overlooking hill hexes. And wherever the Americans, some of the starting forces are digging in around here. I-2, somewhere over here. W-13, somewhere over there. Beautiful map. And the Germans are really coming on with 16, 18 and a half squads. And five tanks. But you're going to need your rule book because you're going to be playing some OBA, 150 millimeter rocket for the Germans, and Naval, NOBA for the Americans, one directed by an observation plane and the other directed by a shore fire control party, which is any one of these crews secretly designated, and he's on board there for the game. Next one up is BR. Four, he'll 41. It's an 11 turner. This is going to be a beauty to play. You've got the Americans set up with a few squads, support weapons, leaders, and an AT gun 57L on between rows A and Q, numbered 6 to 21 on the Apiopio Globe map. And then the uh, 10 squads elements of the 82nd Airborne group. I think they're going to do an, are they going to do an airdrop? Gorham group. Oops. Uh, elements of the 1st Infantry Division set up hexes greater than equal to 33, A to M, big mortars, foxholes. So it's a lot of American defenders. Everybody's on the ground and they're digging in. The Germans are going to be trying to push through to Gala. Through. So there's victory conditions get a little tricky with Germans win if they exit greater than equal to 15 exit victory points of infantry or cruise off the southwest edge and amass 40 points, including casualty victory points in the normal manner and exiting vehicles, guns off the southwest edge, providing they exit 
seven or more Panzers, threes or fours tanks off the northeast edge between two two exits before turn nine. So there's the idea is this armored column is trying to shoot on through and get off the board as well as destroy the enemy and exit the southwest edge as well as the northeast edge. Well, I didn't examine the map all that carefully, but um, it should be interesting. The uh, on Hill 41, more Americans setting up AT gun, big mortar, some little plinkers coming in. This is the 105 millimeter uh, OBA coming on for both sides. Americans have normal ammo, Germans have scarce. And um, Germans got, it's just a crud load of tanks. Infantry looks like the first group, seven, eight squads, same thing for the second group and a bunch of armored vehicles, cars, et cetera, et cetera. Things I haven't seen before, I don't think. And then 17, 18, 19 tanks with the two groups coming on and the 105 OBA. So you're gonna, again, need all your turns to play that out, turn 11. That is BR4. Overrun of the 26th, BR5, six turns. And the Germans are trying to, again, punch through and get to the beach and avoid all the Noba that they're going to taking from the Americans out there. And uh, so the Americans set the defense. Germans have to exit 44 off the south edge of the board. This is board 19 and 69. There's a bunch of open ground overlays. So, yeah, the Germans have five squads and five uh, personnel carriers and four tanks. He sees in flamethrowers, assault engineers. That's nice. ER6, look at this one. Farello, it takes place on the Gila Farello board. This has a bunch of American tanks. It's a field artillery battalion, 1st Infantry Division. And they're all spread out in these specified hexes. Were they being used then as like a OBA bombardment kind of thing, I guess? And 105 artillery piece, and then setting up inner south of a gully. Buildings, some squads, four squads, and some normal little sport weapons. And and then these 105 batteries. And I think it's saying they got another Americans receive a module of 107 OBA with normal ammo direct from an offboard observer. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And the Germans are going to enter along the south, no, north edges. They're trying to, again, get through the Americans into the beaches as quickly as possible. The Americans will get four or five more tanks coming on, entering along the south edges. So that's a cool setup. That's different. Well, eventually the Americans are going to have to send some reinforcements. So here, July 11th, 1943, on the Piazza Ridge map, a lot of them are going to take place there now. The Germans are setting up northwest of K with, again, like five, seven, eight squads, the usual array, four mortars, which are specified where they have to set up on the board and just a couple of tanks, Martyr, a Panzer IV, uh, personnel carrier. Americans win if all the 120 millimeter German mortars are eliminated, 120 millimeter German mortars. You heard that right, folks. Yeah, so here comes the counterattack. Now the Americans have uh, 10 squads or so, various types, uh, bulk of them paratroopers, of course. This is Gavin counterattack, BR-7. Coming on with four M4A1s, Sherman's, an AT gun, half track, special rules. There's two fire missions from 81 millimeter OBA, uh, high explosives and white phosphorus with some special rules for that. Again, variable concealment counters for the defending Germans. 
BR-8 Tigers attack. So now the Americans are now entrenched in the area with some foxholes and 81 mortar, artillery piece, AT gun, 37LL, five, six squads, a couple half squads, and reinforcements coming out, out as they are attacked by, again, the Permangaring Division in turn one along the northeast, southwest edges. And the Germans are trying to control greater than equal to buildings by game end. And so then they attack against the Americans. Americans get some more reinforcements to pop in there. And that sector of the Biaza Ridge map. Yarn 9, Drilo HG Reconquest. This is the Ponte Drilo board again. And the Germans have been ordered to go ahead and again try to shoot through there and get to the beaches. That's on July 12th, 1943, and the Americans are set up to defend. They got that artillery piece maybe earlier captured from the Italian forces in that other scenario. And um, yeah, you know, again, this is six, seven squads, leaders, a couple mediums, two American and one of the, I guess the captured, one of the captured Italian ones is still there with them. And five Shermans entering on turn one, coming to the rescue. Germans moving with 10 plus squads and a normal array of weapons, two infantry guns, two infantry guns, and five tanks. You're welcome. Hands are six, six coming on board. Seven turns. Germans win if they exit 45. Victory points. Or BR10, last scenario in the pack, Road Junction Y. This is taking place on the Piano Lupo board now, and it's July 12, 1943, around noon. The Americans are setting up again some scant troops and stuff uh, set up, and then a 105, but it said it only got one. Uh, there's five tanks, though, set up along the edge of a hill. They enter turn one along the north. Then this small German force is trying to exit. So they only have to get 15 points off, the Germans do. If all the mobile, not recalled German Tiger tanks remain in play, reached in a hex number less than 13 during play, the Germans can also exit EVP off the south edge. So it's, it's an interesting situation. The special rules, again, you've got some. Um, variable concealment counters, uh, the 105 with scarce ammo and only one fire mission. Yeah, uh, the Panzer sixes are radio lists and they have each has to roll their own breakdown number. And I'll just read the aftermath of this one, I'll give you an idea what the setup is here. The first two of the five tigers turned right on the road to Nisemi. The communication between the tanks didn't work. There's a wrecked Panzer IV on the side of the road. Suddenly AT guns and every kind of artillery open fire link with the head um, HG Grenadiers was lost. The first two tigers were abandoned and blocked the road to the north and a platoon of Shermans jumped off the Northwest Ridge and entered the fray. So. That's kind of what the setup is going to be for that one. Great series of scenarios, beautiful maps, Biazza Ridge, get it today. Well, thanks Dave for all of that deep, deep work you did on the scenario analysis. Well, not analysis, but overview. Yep, overview. Yeah. Thanks. Well, that's long enough now, I suppose. Yeah, I think we'll sign off and go do something else for a while. Yeah. Let's go breakfast again. Well, yes, Indeed. this week. I think they're still serving breakfast. It's only 8 o'clock p.m. <laughs> oh, you want to go right now? Okay. Yeah, yeah, we can go right now. You know, they they have stopped serving breakfast all day at McDonald's. I was crushed. Are you serious? I went the other day at 11 o'clock trying to get a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. No. They haven't done that for years. They they they, they started it all, year, all day long for a long time. Huh. Yeah. Not I'll no. next time on my findings about that. Yes, please do. And in the meantime, right. roll low. And rally well, but, but not, not when, when you're, you're playing, playing us. us. All right. Bye-bye, everybody.
should run a contest where uh, people that speak foreign languages call in and and give us the translation of, but not when you're playing us in their language. Oh, that'll be good. That would be I'll great. Come up with a big prize for that. Yeah, big prize. Big dinner with Jeff. Fly into Chicago. Put you up at the Hilton.